The Coonhound Collective Podcast is brought to you by CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Check these guys out today. This is your host, Jason Snurrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coonhound Collective Um, I would like to take another opportunity to go out and tell everybody to be sure and join the United English Breeders and Fanchers Association. I know I sound like a broken record, but uh, you don't even have to have a, um, an English dog. I mean, if you got a black and tan, we'll still take you. So uh, be sure and go over and join the association. We'd be glad to have you. I, I guess I just, that I guess that's so because I, I had a black and tan first. <laughs> so I mean, we can take we can take people with Walker dogs. So we, we oh pick. man, <laughs> and you you went deep right there. Welcome to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Perry Fraze. Perry, how's it going today? Oh, pretty good. How you doing, bud? Oh man, I can't complain. Pretty good day here. Um, we, uh, we've talked a few times about getting together and getting this, getting this done. And I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to, uh, get on here and and get this done. And I'm, I'm excited to, uh, talk with you this, this evening and get some, get some information out, out there about the English Breed Association and find out a little bit more about you. So why don't we start off with you and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, my name is Perry Fraze. I'm 45 years old, and for my entire life, I've lived in um, Crawford County, Indiana. A lot of people hear about, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people hear about Indiana, and they think that's great coon hunting. Well, um, for the most part, that's true if you go by an hour north, but down here in Crawford County, um, it's not the case. So, um, I didn't hit that lottery by having good coon hunting. I'm sitting down here in the, probably the worst coon hunting in the state. So, um, well, I, I definitely understand that. I, I lived over in Illinois for about a year right off the Wabash River there, and it was pretty good coon hunting, and I live in the Ozark Mountains now, and it's not so good coon hunting, so I, I definitely uh, can can relate there. Um, obviously, yeah. we, we mentioned English dogs. Uh, how, how did you, you kind of get into hunting, and have you always hunted English dogs? Well, my dad, he, uh, he worked with a guy named Raby Smith and dad, he always coon hunted as well. Actually, he didn't work with Raby Smith. Let me back up here a little bit. Um, my dad, he worked with Raby Smith's son-in-law and I don't know if anybody's familiar with Raby Smith, but he owned uh, Smith's Hillbilly Mac and Hillbilly Mac was, you know, he was a big time PK, PKC winner back in the day and, uh, his son-in-law and rabies they bred about every dog thing there was going to them i had uh, a lot of mixed up dogs you know they're half walker half english um half walker half blue tick and uh, we lived back in the woods and i didn't have any money and Dad, we didn't have a whole lot of extra money so um what we'd do is we'd end up getting a, several of those pups out of litter and i'd take them out in the woods and I was only like five, six, seven years old. And I'd take them out in the woods every day and just walk them around. And then once we got them raised up where they were doing a little something, treeing or whatever, <clears throat> they'd come get them all, and then I'd get a keep one. So that's kind of how I got into coon hunting. I never really had a, a registered dog that was purebred. Everything I have was kind of mixed up. Um, 
and then when I got to be about uh, 16, I got with my driver's license. I went down and joined the Coon Hunters Club here in Crawford County, and I drew out with a gentleman by the name of Donnie Whitaker at a club hunt, and he had a uh, dog by the name of Grand Night Champion, Blue River Easy Elmo. And uh, let me tell you, Elmo was out of Gale Flowers' wildfire dog, and at six months old, he was just putting it on everything around here. And he's probably one of the better dogs I'd ever been with. And I decided right then and there I had to have me an English dog. And uh, after that, I got to looking around, and Donnie had a couple pups over out of Wildfire and uh, Gerald Gabbard's Jimmy Jean dog. And I ended up getting one of those dogs, and I was hunting her, and she was doing pretty good at about eight or nine months old. And she, I, I turned loose a coon, and it ran across our horse pasture and got over in the fence row. And it ran up a tree while well, I turned that dog loose. And she went over there and started treeing on it. And she jacked the tree a little bit. And uh, I got over there. And I was looking at the coon. I was going to knock it out to that pup. And she jumped up. And when she came down, I heard her squall. And I looked down. And she took off running past me. And had something sticking out of her hind end. And I reached down there and grabbed it. And there was a dead stick where the horses in the horse pasture had nipped the top of that tree off. <clears throat> And when she come down, it run right up her hind end, and uh, she didn't live very long. It, it, I guess it messed her up inside. I pulled it out, not knowing any better, pulled it out, and uh, I guess she had a lot of internal bleeding, and she didn't last very long. So I was without a dog again, and uh, Donnie Whitaker, he had a litter mate to her that was doing pretty good, but she was bad on deer. So I ended up buying her, and she turned into a pretty decent dog. And I hunted her about every night, and uh, she treats several coons. And she's the type of dog if you treat if you hunt her every night, she looked really good. Or let me back up, she looked pretty good. And if you laid her up one night, she was wild as a buck deer. She's just real high strung. You had to hunt her all the time. And uh, that's pretty much the story on her. And then when I turned eighteen, my dad, we were kind of looking at the PKC side of things, and Everybody back then was wanting a super steak pup. Well, we couldn't afford one. So in the back of the bloodlines, there was a, an ad for some super steak pups out of Woodstock Grizzly and uh, Barker's Blue Striker. And they's located in West Virginia. And we ended up calling about them because they was $100. And a gentleman by the name of Jamie Step, I'm sure some of y'all know them, had placed an ad in the bloodlines with these pups. So my dad, he decided he was going to have one. So we drove down there and met him, and they took us over to Mr. Barker's house. He's the one who had the female. And uh, dad picked his pup out, and I was sitting there watching him. And there was a little run of litter. The only red tick that I seen, there was mostly blue or black and white, red and white. But there was this one little red tick come up, and he was a run of litter. And uh, I was sitting there watching him, and my dad looked at me, and he said, you going to get you one? I said, well, shoot, I ain't got the money. He said, well, heck, he said, your birthday's coming up. He said, just pick you one out. So I picked him out and brought him home and uh, named him uh, Indian Ridge Kodiak. He was probably the best dog I had for a long time. When he barked, he had a big old booming mouth. Um, pretty good tree dog, but he wasn't didn't say a whole lot on track. If he said about three or four barks on the track, you know, he was treed. And he, he was, I was hunting by himself when he was about six or seven months old. 
he was what kind of introduced me to the deep and lonely type hounds. Um, before I had him, I'd always go hunting with my buddies, and we'd always have all of our dogs be packed up on the same tree. Well, when I got him, we started hunting together. Well, we'd go to their old dog. They'd all be together, and they'd start poking fun and be like, well, where's old Kodiak at? And I was like, man, I don't know. Well, as soon as we get them dogs off the tree, you could listen. And he was about as twice as far the other way by himself. So then I started hunting by myself. It wasn't all that fun, but them old boys, they got tired of walking to their dogs and having to turn around and walk to my dog. So I just, just started hunting by myself. And then I went to college. I was kind of a fish out of water at college. I didn't. I went to Vincennes University, and I... I hated being up there in town the whole time. I remember one day I was walking to class and I seen this beat up Ford Ranger going down the road and had dog box in. So I thought, man, I got to get a hold of that guy because he had autumn oak stickers all over his dog box. I knew he was a coon hunter. So I chased him down. I was running down the sidewalk hollering and he heard me stop. And it's a gentleman by the name of Kenny Harrison. And he lives up around Richmond area, Greensburg, I believe is the name of the town he lives in. And I got talking to him and he worked for a farmer up there. And that farmer let him take his dog up there and keep it at his, in his kennel. And he had a walker dog, pretty nice walker dog named Bo at the time. So we went after class that day and we went up and talked to that farmer and asked him if it'd be all right if I kept my dog up there. And he said, yeah, it'd be fine. So the next weekend, I went home and got Kodiak and we ended up every night after school, we'd get out of class and we'd go coon hunting. And that's, you know, back then there was a, a fur shed down the road. And it's called Blue Bomb's Little Red Fur Shed. Back then, you could get 8 or $10 for a coon. And that's how I paid for my groceries and uh, other things that I needed in college was by going coon hunting after class. And then once I got out of college, I uh, was hunting Kodiak pretty regular. And I ended up taking him to Autumn Oaks in 1998. And I've only hunted in Autumn Oaks two times. I hunted in 98 on a Friday night hunting my dad's dog. And we kind of got drew out close to the interstate so i withdrew and then i hunted it the very next night hunting kodiak and i ended up getting a high scoring english male dog and then fourth place registered i don't handle a lot anymore most of you that know me know i don't hear the best so i can hear the dogs but a lot of times i can't tell them apart um, i've got a voice i guess my i don't hear voice tones really good you know like me and you sitting here talking my brain can kind of put together what you said in your sentence and make sense of it. But if you got two dogs out there that sound remotely the same, then I'm kind of handicapped. So it's got to be a real special dog for me to be able to handle it. But anyway, Kodiak was a pretty good dog, so I decided I was going to raise me a litter of pups. Well, that's when I decided that uh, if you have a male dog and you want to raise a litter of pups, you got to convince everybody that your male dog is better than everybody else's. And I didn't have anybody that was willing to breed to my dog. So uh, I did breed him one time to my wildfire female, and she, those pups turned out pretty good, but it just wasn't quite what I was wanting. She was real high-strung and uh, real mouthy. And Kodiak, he was kind of tight and, you know, kind of mellow. So I thought, well, if I mix them two together, I'll get something in the middle. And I decided that uh, I didn't know anything about dog breeding because – Half the pups took after her and half the pups took after him. And, uh, you know, I was just 19 year old kid at the time. I, I thought, you know, if you, if you mix a, a silent dog with a, a dog that's mildly, you get something in the middle. Well, that's not quite the case, but now you live and you learn. So anyway, I kept Kodiak for several years and he got some age on him and I ended up getting married. And that's a, that's another story. I had Kodiak and my wife, she, she'd go uh, hunting with me. 
and on the way out of the woods, she, she'd be holding my hand because she didn't have very good light, so I'd kind of help her out of the woods. And my dog, he'd get between us. Well, he'd start pushing her out of the way. And she told me on several occasions, she said, I don't think your dog really likes me. And I joke with her nowadays. We've been married about 22 years. And I joke with her nowadays. I always tell her, I said, yeah, I should listen to that old dog. He knew what he was talking about. But no, nah, I've been blessed. I got a pretty good wife, three beautiful girls. But uh, anyway, back to the dogs. I realized that if I was going to raise pups, females is what I needed to get. So I started looking for a, a good bred female that was doing something. That's when I come across Indian Ridge Sandy. Um, we bought her. She had a, a win or two on her, I believe. But when we got her, well, let me back up just a little bit. She was on the UKC form back whenever it was hot and heavy. It's kind of slowed down a little bit now but they had an english female she was out of cridland's red swamp rat owned by jim cridland and then carter long's hard knocking family female and everybody knows that carter long's got a long line of reproducing females so i was really interested i didn't have a whole lot of money so i talked to dad and i couldn't get off work to go get her so dad he was gonna go get her and he was gonna loan me the money and then the more he thought about it he said well shoot i'll just go in hybrids with you so we called about her, and the guy told us, he said, man, she just sold. So unbeknownst to me, a gentleman by the name of Harold Norton down in Mississippi bought her, and he kept her about a week, maybe two weeks. I can't remember. And, heck, she was back on the Internet for sale again. So I ended up calling him up, and uh, Dad, he took off, went down there and got her. And the day I brought her home, she come in heat. And I thought, well, shoot, here I bought this dog. Give more money than I ever give for a dog. And now I've got to wait three weeks to take her hunting. So she sat in the kennel for a long time, and I got her out. And when I first started hunting her, I was like, man, I kind of messed up with this dog because she wasn't all that great. She didn't hunt very wide. In my country, you kind of need a dog to go hunting. The more I hunted her, the better I liked her. We started putting her in a few PKC hunts. And like I said, I'm really no handler because I don't hear the best. We was winning a little bit with her. And I don't know, a lot of people know my my buddy, Jason, uh, riser i kind of cornered jason one evening at a hunt and i told him i said hey i said i'd like for you to handle this female for me if you don't care i think he was kind of in between dogs so he started hunting with her and he'll be honest with you first couple times he took he went with her he didn't like her either she didn't show him much but the more we hunted her the better she got she just kept getting better and better and better we had pretty good luck with her we made her night champion and pkc champion at a year old and then we started breeding her to some heavier or some more, some well-known studs. We bred her to a swamp cat first. And then after that, I think we bred her to Main Street Roy. Um, we'd, we drew Stanley Nichols a couple of times and he was hunting Max, which was, uh, Max is a half, half, um, brother to her. They got the same mama, uh, hard knocking Tammy is both of their mother. He wanted to breed Roy to her and that produced, uh, the 2013 UKC world champion, John the Baptist, and then a brother to Rory Cows's Big River Jesse Lee. I'll be honest with you, I'd hunted, I had uh, hunted with a lot of the pups out of her and those big name dogs, and they were some nice dogs in every one of those litters. But I don't have very good luck picking a pup, and it seemed like I always picked the dud. And I told my dad, I said, you know what? I said I'm tired of breeding to all these big name dogs. <clears throat> I said. Uh, I'm on the next dog that we breed to us. So I'm going to go hunting with it and see what I think about how it's going to complement the traits to, of her and see what we get. And 
I called Rory Cows up. He had that dog, that Jesse Lee dog, and he wasn't very old at the time. Matter of fact, when we bred to him, he was just a registered dog, but he'd been doing some winning. And if anybody knows Rory Cows, they know that he keeps pretty good dogs. And if you just look at the dogs he's owned, I mean, shoot, he's owned some world beaters. So I went hunting with him, and Jesse Lee, he treated three coons on Cindy, and she blew in there and treated possum. And I was embarrassed as heck. I told him, I said, man, I said, I know you probably don't want to breed this dog. But I said, I really, I really feel it would work out. I said, I liked his style. I said, I think you'd compliment her quite a bit. I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't breed to her. She didn't show you anything. He, we talked it over and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I've seen her around. He said, I've talked to some people. He said, I know she's a lot better dog than what she showed tonight. He said, when time's right, he said, we'll make her happen. So out of that litter, it produced a big river cindy and big river cindy was owned by my buddies jason riser and jason webster i don't know if anybody's ever heard of big river cindy but uh she's placed at english days several times plot days several times i think she placed at Redbone days several times she was a pretty nice dog i mean she didn't walk on water she had her faults too but uh, uh that dog she she died at a very young age. It's a shame because I'd love to see what she would have reproduced. She was bred one time to Jeff Hurt's powerhouse buck dog, and she produced Blue River Bill. And I'm not sure if you haven't heard of Blue River Bill and you're in the English Association or hunt English dogs, and you need to take notice because Blue River Bill is the real deal. He's a go yonder, get deep, get struck, get treed, have the coon coon dog. Um, he's one of the champion of champion hunts at the United English Breeders and Fanchers at the English days. He's won it the past two years, not this past year, but in 2021, he was the world champion English dog at the UKC World Championship. Um, in 2020, I think he I think he made the top 25. If he didn't, he, made, he was like 27th. I'm not sure. And then uh, he just... I mean, the dog wins anywhere you put him down. And his handler, Jason Webster, he's top-notch, too. And I'm actually hunting a pup out of him and uh, another dog that goes back to old Cindy. So that's pretty much where I'm at with the coon dogs. Um, and a little bit of history about me, but uh, Cindy, she, the old Cindy dog, Indian Ridge Cindy, she actually made the Hall of Fame in 2020 with the um, United English Breeders and Fancies Association. And, you know, she didn't walk on water, but I tell you what, there were some nights that she really looked good and she was a pleasure to hunt, and I really miss hunting her. Hey guys, this is Jason at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Maybe you've been out hunting and noticed that your dog box is getting a little beat and banged up and you're looking for something new. Well, let me help you point in the right direction here. Go see my friends over at CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Get a hold of Nathan Kaufman there on Facebook and he, he can fix you up with a dog box. Make sure you tell him Jason sent you over there. He'll get you a good deal on a custom box. You'll get something that you can enjoy for years to come that's built right, that's built to be with you for a long time. Nathan uses what he builds and it's a quality product. Not only that, go support someone like CZ Welding and Fabrication. Nathan stepped forward and he's donated some boxes for some raffles, some benefit hunts, some uh, youth events uh, that's been able to be uh, raffled off to raise some money for those things. And we want to help those guys out that help our sport. So go over, check my friends out at CZ Welding and Custom Doll Boxes. Give Nathan Kaufman a call and do business with a true hunter 
These are dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. CZ Welding Custom Dog Boxes. Go check them out today. Yeah, and you know when 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 they when they look good, they look good, and then like the night she treated the possum, <laughs> it just some sometimes that that happens. So. Hey. More than I don't, more than I could be. <laughs> yeah. So where where did the name before before we move on? Where where did the name Indian Ridge come from for your kennel? Well, when I was a kid, I lived on or my grandma lived on Indian Ridge Road, and then uh, my dad and mom, when I was in college, they ended up buying my grandma. She moved in with my uncle, and her place came up for sale, so they ended up buying her place and. That's just where we lived was on Indian Ridge Road, so that's why we named our kennel Indian Ridge Kennels. Okay, I, I didn't know if there was some other meaning behind it. I, I, I had seen it, and I had meant to ask you about that before. And um, I, I always, you know, so, sometimes they've been carried on from from generation to generation, and sometimes there's other no, reasons. But no, there's no no. Well, I'll be second generation my dad started it because he's the one that bought the place on indian ridge road and he started naming his dogs indian ridge and at the time i was living at home so i called my dogs indian ridge and that's just where it come from okay so ha- have you predominantly always hunted ukc i know you mentioned a little bit about some pkc did did you really get involved in that or, or have you just been hunting ukc for the most part well i mean i'm pretty much a, a ukc hunter um I don't have anything against PKC. When we first got Cindy, we really hunted a lot of PKC. Um, that year, that part, that, I'm trying to think what year it was. I think it was 05. Because Cindy was born in 03. I believe 05, we made a big push. Or it might have been 04. But anyway, we were eighth in the state. We ended up getting a, a ticket to the Nationals. And then she come in heat, so we couldn't go. Um, and then, uh, we was 11th in the English breed in the nation at that, that year. And then I don't know, for one, one reason or another, we started focusing on making her a grand night, you know, um, about that times when the economy collapsed and gas got to as high as it is now. And, you know, I was working being as at that time, my wife was staying home with the kids and between me and my dad and my buddy, Jason Riser, you know, we all kind of own Cindy together and we split the cost three ways. But to be honest with you, if we wouldn't have done that, we'd never been able to push the race because it's not like it is now. You know, we've made a lot of our money at $30 hunts and $60 hunts. And, you know, we beat the roads and, uh, my dad, he worked a lot. Um, Jason, you know, he works a lot too, but my job was Monday through Thursday. I'd get her ready and do the training and then friday and saturday my dad my dad and uh jason they would go to the hunts and then jason would be so tired from working that my dad he would stay at the club and get get a nap or something and then when the hunt was over you know they'd come back you know and dad would drive but uh it was a three-man band um we split the cost across the board and uh, at the time i was you know the, the sole breadwinner of the house and it was if we got tired at times, my wife would be like, you're going to a coon hunt? <laughs> so um, I just kind of got away from it. I started having kids and got away from it. Um, I don't have anything against it. I may be back one day, but 
Uh, right now, I like UKC's rules a little better, and I don't have nothing against TKC. I just haven't hunted one for a long time. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that you said there that has become a reoccurring theme that I hear from a lot of people um, was the support uh, around you with, with your dad and, and, and Jason there and and you know it, it really takes a, a team of guys when you make your mind up that I mean even nowadays I mean we we can be to a lot of hunts you know within a month per, pretty close to my house here anyway especially PKC hunts um, and UKC and when you really start to push a dog uh, you know it really takes a group of guys to, to kind of come together and help for, for the most part I would say and and I know that's an important part of part of a lot of people's kennels and and their plans and sound like it was with y'all too oh yeah we've been very fortunate we got a group of guys here and uh, i'll be honest with you the main reason people have heard of indian ridge is not because of me it's because a lot you just as the you know my dad started out and then me and then jason riser my good buddy jason webster you know we all kind of we all kind of hunt the same type of dog. Um, I got a good buddy out in Kansas. We've been partners on dogs for several years now. His name's Adam Keller. And then I got a, a young man here that just kind of started in the last few years named Sean Hausler. He's probably one of the hardest hunters I've seen. He's slacked off a little bit. Um, he found him a woman he kind of likes, so he's slacked off a little bit. But, you know, once that calms down, I'm sure he'll get back into it. But, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to have a tight group of guys. We're all buddies. We all look for the same type of dog. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. You know, I'm good buddies with Rory Cows, and, you know, we call him up and talk to him about crosses. And, you know, he's, he's kind of helped steer us, told us, you know, I crossed my Indian Ridge, Cindy, with Big River, um, Jesse Lee, and you know, Rory, he's just got a, a world of knowledge and he can tell us, you know, kind of what type of female will cross good on this dog and what, you know, what we should look for in breeding this female, you know, and he's, he's kind of helped us out. Um, definitely don't want to leave him out. We're just, we're just a big team. And, you know, if, if they're winning, I'm cheering, you know, um, we got a good, good group of guys here and I, I'll be honest with you. They deserve a lot more credit than I do. Yeah. Well, like I said, that that's become a reoccurring theme. And, you know, when, when you're trying to, to really push a line of dogs, wh whether they stay the name Indian Ridge or they change it to a little something different or whatever, e either way, when it stays a line of dogs, it really takes a group of guys. And, spe you know, for, for me, especially, um, you know, somebody to lean on that ha has a little bit of knowledge when it comes to breeding and, uh, either picking the right male dog and, and right line of dogs that will cross well because that's that's like a whole nother puzzle piece there for, for me to try to put together yeah well cindy cindy when she when she died she was number one on the current reproducers list it's kind of funny because every pup none of the pups that were titled were on, were owned by me so those were pups that were getting titled were were stuff that everybody else was titling not me because everyone i picked i i I didn't have very good luck putting, um, picking a pup, I guess, or I don't pick the wrong ones. But uh, after after her, I ended up just taking whatever was left, and I've had a lot better luck. 
Yeah. Well, don't feel like the Long Ranger. I've, I've done the same thing. I, I don't do too good at, at, at picking pups. I usually, if, if I have, have a litter of pups, I try to keep a couple. That way I have a, a little bit better chance to end up with something that, that will at least do something out of it. My buddy, um, Sean Hauser, I mentioned him a while ago. He's, he started out with, I gave him a pup because he wanted to get into coon hunting. And that dog is, was just awesome until he, he ended up getting blasto and he's kind of set him back quite a bit. Um, but he's every pup he's touched pretty much every pup he's picked out has turned into a good dog. So when I got a pup out of a blue river bill and, uh, Clayton Brown's big river, Missy dog, I ended up having him pick the pup <laughs> and it, it worked because the little dog's doing pretty good. So I got big plans for her. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it definitely takes good friends, good friends like that. One, one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, and, and we're going to talk about the English association here, here in a few minutes, but how I, um, become to know you was through YouTube. Um, a lot of people know I have a, have, have a YouTube channel and, I was really active on it, putting videos on, but since doing the podcast, um, that's kind of took away from that time of editing. And I'm sure you can relate to, to, to the time that's put into, to some editing and putting things together and getting, uh, you know, material ready to put out. But that's how I, I, I become to know about you is through, through YouTube. You have a YouTube channel. T- tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel. Cause you, you have a variety of things on there and kind of how that come about. Well, I got a YouTube channel and it's the name of my YouTube channel is Perry phrase outdoors. And, uh, basically it's just whatever I'm doing at the time. Of course, there's some coon hunting videos on there. Um, I make Osage self bows. Um, I actually took a deer with an Osage self bow that I made a few years ago. Pretty nice nine pointer. There's some bow making videos on there and I'm not one to really give direction, tell you how to do it. But, uh, there's some, you know, some, some bow videos on there and some tips and tricks that I've learned along the way. Um, buddy of mine, he's a big cat fisherman. He took me catfishing and I caught a big, I don't know. He said it was probably 50 pound flathead catfish. There's a video with that on there. Um, just anything outdoors. I like to, I like to tinker around and try new things. I, I like to trap sometimes another, I might do a trapping video. Um, I go out West elk hunting or there's some videos. I, I'm not a real successful elk hunter cause I hunt with a recurve or a self bow. So there'll be some videos of my elk hunting adventures where, you know, just basically right now it's just scenes. I've not got any kills on camera yet. Matter of fact, I ain't here killed an elk, but I, if I'd had a compound, I probably could have killed five or six, but, I'm the type of guy that's going to do it on my own terms. But as far as that goes, I mean, I would appreciate you if you get a chance to go out there on YouTube, look me up, Perry Phrase Outdoors. I think right now I'm sitting at about 880 subscribers. I would really like to hit a thousand subscribers. That's been a goal of mine, but it seems unattainable at the time. But if you're on there, just take two seconds and hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm getting ready to put out some more videos. I haven't put out any videos in the last uh, few weeks, but I've got a few ideas working in the background. Hope to get some new ones out there soon. Yeah, and and if you know, if you're listening, you're not subscribed to to Perry. Just 
go over to YouTube, look him up, definitely click subscribe, support him, help him get to, to, to those thousand, uh, subscribers. Cause that's, that is a, that's a tough number. I, I know I, I thought it was, it was going to take me forever just to get to 500. So, um, I, I know pushing, pushing to try to get a thousand. That's, that's a, that's a goal of a lot of YouTubers and, uh, it's a definitely a big, big mark to hit. So if y'all could help Perry out and go over and, and click subscribe, don't cost a dime to do it. I, I've been asked this before and YouTube, you know, is free. And when you click subscribe, it don't charge you anything. Just go over and click subscribe. It helps him out and helps, uh, help support him. So, so Perry, how, how did the YouTube channel come about? What, what you, what made you think, Hey, I'm going to video that and put it on YouTube. Well, I had a buddy, a buddy of mine named Rob Walton. He's, he's real good with cameras and it's always taking some awesome pictures. And he started a YouTube channel and to be honest with you, uh, I kind of thought, ah, oh, that ain't for me. You know, I ain't going to do that. But the more I watched him, the more I got interested in it. So I started buying some cameras and whatnot, and we were, we've made a few videos. I'm kind of co-starring some of his videos, some of his early videos. And, uh, we'd go out West on these hunts and we would, uh, basically take both you know i'd have my camera rolling he'd have his camera rolling well then i'd just give all my footage to him and he would edit it and make it into a video and then the more i watched it the more i got interested in it and then i've got three daughters and when i they were little i was a really cool dad they thought man dad hanging out with dad's great but as they get older and get into their teens and even my oldest daughter she's 20 now um you know I'm not as cool, you know, so I just, I find myself sitting in the background while they hang out with mom and, um, they just, they don't really know what dad's up to anymore because they don't hang out with him. So I thought, well, maybe this would be a good way for my legacy. I guess if you would, I mean, um, to possibly leave something for my kids and grandkids, you know, heaven forbid something ever happened to me, you know, maybe in years to come they'll pull this up and they'll be like hey that's my grandpa or that's my dad doing that and maybe it'll spark some interest you know my daughters they don't really care about coon hunting but uh they've all been but uh maybe in some way shape or form it's something to leave something for the future generations to remember me by i guess yeah and i can definitely relate to that my oldest granddaughter is been in one or two of my, uh, YouTube videos that I've, I've put out. And I, I tell you where it really hit home with me was, you know, these, she's, uh, she's just turned six and I guess it was two years ago. She was four. Um, you know, she, she'd get her mom's phone or her Grammy's phone and she, they watch YouTube videos, which, you know, I, I watch YouTube videos and they watch YouTube videos about cartoons or, or whatever they're watching. And, um, you know, things are recommended to you, uh, on that YouTube channel. And back then my, uh, you know, my wife was subscribed to my channel. So, you know, my channel, if I put a video out, it would be popped up recommended. And she, she, uh, she was in the bedroom and she, she come running out and she said, granddad, this is you. And it was a thumbnail of me of a YouTube, uh, video that I had just, just put out. And I thought, you know, w one day, when I'm gone, whenever that is. And, uh, you know, that's be something that, that she can look back on or, you know, she'd be able to tell her kids about one day. And, and that, that's when it really hit home for me of, of why I, you know, 
before I started doing the podcast, why I really enjoyed putting the, the YouTube videos out. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get a lot better. I'm, I'm, I'm very elementary and all my, you know, I'm kind of self-taught. Of course, my buddy, he, he, you know, he showed me a lot. Um, but he's kind of new at it too. You know, he actually, you know, he don't know a lot, but he probably knows more than I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he had a couple young, young teenage boys help him and he's pretty sharp anyway. So, you know, he, he got me started and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I, I have uh, recently backed the podcast off to, to buy weekly and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it was in the middle of deer season. Um, and I, a lot of my landowners out of respect to them, we only get 10 days to hunt with a rifle in Missouri and out of respect to them, I try not to run my dogs. Not that I think dogs affect deer or nothing else, but I just don't want no issues with, with my landowners that give me permission to hunt the rest of the year when it ain't gun season. Uh, I mean, it's, it's 10 days. I can take a break for, for 10 days. And, and another reason is I'm, you know, I'm pushing some young dogs. I'm trying to get some puppies ready. And, um, I really want to get back to recording some YouTube videos this winter, um, that I can work on when I'm, I'm not busy. And then I have time to edit, to, to put out, to kind of mix in with some of these podcasts that go onto the YouTube channel. So, um, and I, and you know, I, it, it's, it's a lot more work than I think what people realize it's more than just grabbing a camera and going to the woods and shooting a little video and throwing it on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm, I'm pretty goal oriented and every year I try to come up with a goal that I want to try to do. And first I was just going to have a YouTube channel. And then I started talking to people and they said, Hey, you know, if you're going to make a go at this, you need to be consistent. So then I decided I was going to do a, a video one video a week for a year and i did that and some videos were good some videos were not so good but it, it's it takes a lot of work to uh shoot film and edit film and come up with ideas to film and put out a halfway decent video for 52 weeks out of the year and uh, i have recently kind of slacked off for about the last three or four weeks but my goal this year is to still put out videos, but I'm wanting to put out better quality videos. So hopefully, you know, people will like them and tell their friends about them <clears throat> and then they'll keep watching. Them. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, for sure. It's Perry phrase outdoors. Y'all go over to YouTube, <laughs> check it out. Uh, make sure you click the subscribe button while you're over there. <clears throat> and if you're, you know, watching a video, Leave him a comment in there and and let him let him know uh, that that you're supporting him and, and you appreciate the the stuff he's putting out. Um, I guess we'll move into the. We, we hey, want, I did go ahead. on something you was talking about just a second ago. You know, you said that you out of respect for your landowners that you uh, haven't been hunting coon dogs on that property during deer season. And, you know, that's, that's something that a lot of people I think need to know, you know, a lot of these coon hunters out here, including myself, you know, we're deer hunters too. And you hear all the time about coon hunters versus deer hunters. And, you know, really we're the same people. What you said about not hunting your dogs during deer season. I mean, that happens all the time around here. I do it. My buddies do it. Um, you know, just out of respect for you guys that are deer hunting, I try to hunt where I know there's not somebody deer hunting. Um, I realize you can't always do that, but, uh, you know, we're all on the same team here. We're all sportsmen. Um, 
you know, I support the deer hunters and I hope they would in return would support the hound hunters. So just something to think about. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I went out and deer hunted. I ain't killed no deer, but I went out and, and sat in the stand. How about that? And, um, yeah. My, my, my daughter, uh, she's, she, she's 14. She'll be 15 this next year. And she's killed a little buck and a doe this year. And, um, she, she enjoys it. And, you know, I, I just, I try to, you know, our, our kill season, they started in an early kill season this year. So that really kind of relaxed the anticipation of getting out there and killing coons. Cause our kill season used to come in on the same day of opening gun season for deer. And so, you know, I'd want to go out and hunt and I do have places that I could go hunt, but, um, that, you know, they don't care one way or the other, but, you know, like I said, there's, there's certain places that, you know, I know people don't want dogs on and whether they agree or don't agree, but in the end, like you said, we're all on the same team. And if, and if, you know, the anti hunters come after us hound hunters, they're going to come after the deer hunters next. So we definitely need to stick together as a team and, and, you know, don't, don't just throw the, the baby out with the bathwater, you know, kind of get, educate yourself. If you don't know about hound hunting out there, ask somebody, uh, I, I think you'd find out that, you know, we're a pretty good group of guys that are, that are willing to, to work with anybody and, and, uh, to, for the common good of, of hunting in general. Yes, sir. So we, uh, one of the reasons, other than all the stuff that we've already talked about, but one of the other reasons we wanted to get together and talk is I hunt English dogs, as most people know, and I am a member of the English Association, and y'all are trying to grow that association, and it's important that we as hound hunters don't look at that and go, oh, that's just another association to, to join. There's more reasons behind it. They'll, you know, They can get involved and, and help us in different areas, just like supporting your local club. Um, but we wanted to talk about some of the stuff the English association is doing, um, some of the, the races that you got going on and, and some of the stuff y'all do monthly and, and throughout the year. So, uh, I'm going to just let you have the floor, Perry, and, and you just take off with it and kind of explain some of it. I have a podcast that's going to release this Thursday and, and Jared Washburn tur- touched on it, but he kind of left that open for, for, for you to kind of explain. Cause he said you could explain it better. Are you tired of whipping, scolding, and shocking to make them get alone? Is your buddy tired of helping you set your dog up for correction night after night? Do you really want your dog to be alone because you forced him to be? Or would you rather him be alone because he wants to be? Grand Knight Champion Small Town Lone Survivor is the product of over 25 years of strong natural-born independent traits. This bold trait has been passed down from generation to generation and is showing up in Loner offspring today. Loner is a direct son of Hall of Fame Grand Knight Champion Cabin Creek Rowdy and Grand Knight Champion Lonesome Dove Lori. Loner has a booming mouth that is talked about in every cast he has been in, including the 2021 World Hunt Finals. Loner is a no-reverse, ball-mouth-open trailer who ends it plussed up with a huge dying locate and steady chop. Loner loves getting split and is a stay-put gun-pressure tree dog. Loner's intelligence is also impressive. He knows over 12 voice and hand signal commands. Loner has a character that loves like Jesus, but he doesn't walk on water. If you're interested in breeding to Loner, 
Contact Brett Stevens at Small Town English Kennels at 417-300-3777 or find him on Facebook. If you're interested in running a stud ad for your dog here on the Coonhound Collective podcast, reach out to us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. Send us a message through Facebook or Instagram, and we'll be glad to get with you to get you an ad built and get you pricing on all of our ads. Okay, well, I'll do my best. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I'd like to encourage everybody to enjoy or to join their breed association of choice. And to be honest with you, I think you should probably join more than one, you know. Um, most breed associations could uh, use the support. Um, I don't know about the rest of them, but I know the English association could sure use all the funding that they could generate. And the three ways that we make money or bring in money, rather, we don't hardly make any, but to bring in money is through memberships. Um, we bring in money at English days and then we bring in money when, um, people host sectionals. And if you've had a sectional, you realize that we don't, you don't send the United English breeders and sec, uh, excuse me, you don't send the United English breeders and fanciers a very big check out of that. So first and foremost, if you haven't already, you need to go check out the new website. Um, we've had a website for several years. Um, it has recently been updated by our new web administrator. Um, the, the previous administrator done a great job, but the new, uh, the new person has actually updated it quite a bit. And there's a ton of information on there. You can go to www.uebfa.org and you can go through there and flip through the pages. You can look at the memberships. It shows who's a member. Um, you can go to the Hall of Fame section. And it shows all the winners. We've got the Hall of Fame hunt males, Hall of Fame bench males, Hall of Fame hunt females, Hall of Fame bench females. And I believe we have pictures of every one of those dogs, with the exception of maybe just a couple. And then also we have a... Uh, lifetime achievement award winners and we have pictures of them on there unfortunately we are still missing a few of those pictures well actually we're missing quite a few of those pictures so if you go to the website and you see that we're missing a picture of one of them you can contact us there's a contact page on there where you can email us and if you wouldn't care to uh, submit your photo of that individual so we could put it on our website and people could admire it um, you can send it right to us right there. Now, as uh, Jason hit on there earlier, we are going to bring out a new program this year starting in January. Actually, it's going to start at the Grand American. And it's called the Five Star Outstanding Coonhound, or I'm sorry, the Five Star Outstanding English Coonhound Race. And we're going to have a hunt format and a bench format. So for everybody that likes to hunt, they'll have that race and for everybody that likes to show a dog on the bench they'll have that race and the five big hunts that we are using is the grand american the winter classic english days autumn oaks 
and the World Championship. Now, we were going to try to incorporate the talk in there, the TOC, but unfortunately, we wanted to do this for both the hunt and the bench side of things. And to my knowledge, there is no bench format at the TOC. So that's why we didn't include that. We use those five hunts. That's why it's named the five-star outstanding English coonhound race. So um, basically, you go to those big hunts, you win your cast or your class in the bench show. Um, if you go to our website, right there on the front page, there's a section that says new for 2022. You can click on that. I think there's a one for the hunt section and for the bench show section. There's a flyer that kind of shows how it's all going to break down with the point system and uh, the tiebreakers at the end of the year. So basically, the, the race will start at the Grand American. It'll continue through the year to the World Championship. And then the following English days in 2024, I guess, we will pass out the awards for the outstanding English Coonhound hunt winner and bench winner. And right now, all that's on the prize package is a $1,000 prize. So that's, that's something to work towards. Um, also, I'd like to talk about our champion, the champion's hunt. Uh, something we've had a long time. It used to be called the Invitational Hunt. There are several ways to qualify for it. Um, you can qualify with a cast win at any major hunt. I believe it's, and these are just off the top of my head. I didn't take notes for this. I apologize. But I believe it's, if you get a cast win at the Grand American, Winter Classic, English Days, Autumn Oaks, world championship you have to finish in the top i think it's the top 20 um same way with the with toc it's the top 20 or something uh, anyway you can also qualify at an english sectional so if you clubs out there want to have an english sectional you can call up our sectional director and that's big philip king you can find his contact information on our website he is also the chairman, and uh, he'll get you uh, I'm sorry. He's also the treasurer. Just forgive me. I was skim reading my notes here. <laughs> but uh, if you want to have an English sectional, you can get plaques through the association. We, uh, we contract them out and have them shipped directly to you, and that's a flat rate of $150. I'll be honest with you. You don't want to do that. If if you're okay with just doing certificates, it's not going to cost you. But two dollars a dog is all you're going to pay the English Association. If you will have to have plaques, we can get you plaques. But as low as the numbers are for the uh, hunts around my part of the country, there's no way I could come out on that. So we always try to do the certificates at two dollars a dog, and then that way you can try to make you a little bit of money. Um, we do, would like to encourage you to have sectionals. Because it seems like we don't have very many sectionals. And why, when you do have sectionals, we'd like to encourage you to push some memberships. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but the cost of English days for the guides, the judges, the trophies, the other prizes, um, what we pay to the coast or the host club. Um, we also provide a meal for our members. It's roughly $20,000. And just for some quick numbers, 
membership costs thirty dollars. We currently have four hundred and sixty nine members. If each one of those four hundred and sixty nine members paid thirty dollars, that's gonna equate to fourteen thousand and seventy dollars. Now granted we're gonna take in some money at English days to kind of help offset the cost, but uh if you do the math, you can see why we need everybody to join and support our breed association. I, for one, love going to English days. I want to make sure it's there for years to come. But, uh, you know, if we can't get people to be excited about the association and support it with their membership, then uh, I fear that, you know, our days are probably going to be numbered. We're in pretty good shape right now, but to be honest with you, we need to we need to find a way to generate some memberships and that's why we did come out with this five-star outstanding english coonhound race to kind of get people excited about it and want to join um actually that is one of the rules in order to be eligible for the five-star race you have to be a member all registered dog owners have to be paid members and all handlers have to be a paid members and uh, we just do that because, guys, you know, we're out here trying to support our English hunters and our members. And if you're not going to support the association, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, you're not going to be eligible for our prizes. You know, if you go to a big hunt and you are the highest point English dog, you know, the association pays for that trophy. It's going to go to the member. You know, it's, it's, it's for our members, not for just everybody. It's for our members. Um, hey Perry, let me let me jump in here just a minute. So twenty thousand dollars put on English days. That's that's less than seven hundred members. Just just shy of seven hundred members to break even uh, to put yes. that on. And now, I, ju I just clicked over here to the membership page on Facebook. There's thirteen hundred people on that page. So yes, sir. We 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 need the rest the rest of y'all to pay your membership help support the the English Association. So, I mean, they, they're doing other things, and Perry's going to talk about that here in just a minute. I'm just putting my two cents in. There's 1,300 members over here on that page. So there's obviously people that have not paid their membership. So pay your membership up. That will help the association to be able to put that hunt on a lot easier. And not only that, the the, the association ain't ain't in this making a big big bunch of money. They're they're going to put that money back into the, to to us to to you the the hunter, you know, in in bigger prizes, better prizes, uh, you know, di different things like that. So, um, I, I just want to step in real quick and and kind of put that out there. We we're they're they're close. They're real close. They 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 just need a few couple hundred more members. And there's obviously a, a lot more people out there following the English Association than there are members. So just go over to the website, like you said, and there's a place where you can join up and, and get your membership paid. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're not out here trying to make a profit. Um, you know, biggest complaint about I hear about English days or or even the trophies we send to the bigger hunts, you know, everybody wants to win bigger prizes, bigger this, you know, I'm not a member because they don't do this. Well, they don't do that. Well, you know, we would love to do that, but uh, to be honest with you, if you're not paying the membership fee to support your breed association, that's taking money out of our pockets. So, you know, we got to try to, we got to support all of our 
you know, hunt winners. We got to support our bench show winners. You know, we want to take care of all of our members, but if we're limited on funds and we got to try to spread the wealth, um, that cuts into that prize package. So, you know, a lot of breed associations have a big following for whatever reason. I don't understand it. I've only been on the board for a couple of years. Um, I would have thought our membership numbers would have been a lot more than what they are. And actually, out of the 469 members, there's probably just a rough guess. I bet 20 of them are lifetime members that don't have to pay a membership fee. So, um, like like Jason said, go to the website. Yeah, there's a place on there to join. You can join right on the, the the website by hitting the application, and you can pay PayPal or Cash App or even credit card. Or there's also a place our membership chairman is Josh Green. You can uh, click on that there on the website and get his information. You can fill out all your information, send it to Josh with your $30 membership, and he'll send you a membership card. Or the other way you can join is uh, at an English sectional or at any big hunt you see our, you know, our booth set up. I know in the past we've kind of struggled getting, getting somebody there, but uh, we're really trying to improve that. There's, there's several people within the association that are working their butts off to try to make this association better for you all. And, uh, we, we look forward to having you as members. Yeah. And, and go ahead, uh, Perry and talk about some of the stuff you've y'all been doing kind of monthly and the different things you're doing to, to try to raise money. And maybe there's somebody out there listening, um, that you have a business or something where you can kind of get involved and, and get in contact with, with Perry or some of these guys and, and, and donate some, some, some stuff to, to help raffle off, to help raise money, to cover some of these costs. Uh, yeah. So on Facebook, I don't know if everybody has Facebook, but most generally the, the vast majority of us do. So there is a Facebook page called the UEBFA membership page. And uh, what we've been doing here lately, about once a month, we've been having a raffle. And we raffle off everything from lights to boots. Um, we raffled off a thermal one time, tracker, tracking collars. We actually got a big bundle coming up here in December for a Christmas bundle. And uh, we haven't advertised it yet. We'll actually... By the time this podcast comes out, you, it'll probably be advertised. But uh, we're doing a big bundle where we're going to have a light, uh, one of those briar coats, two two leather rolled leather leads, and shoot, can't remember what the next the other pre- the other part was. But anyway, it's a big bundle, and uh, they're roughly ten dollars a chance. Um, Usually they're about 30, 40 chances available, but this time since we're doing all that, we got to cover our costs. So there's going to be a hundred chances in this one, and then the winner will get the whole the whole bundle. But uh, I would like to be, give a big shout out to everybody that's helped us. Um, we've had a few things donated. I'm sure I'm going to miss your names because I'll be honest with you, I don't deal with that side of it a lot, but. Uh, one of the ones that does stand out is Chris Girth and Briar Creek English Hunting Supply. Um, Chris, he used to be on the board of directors, and he got busy with his business and had to step away. But uh, he really, he really helps us out with these raffles. 
um, we really appreciate it. But at the same time, we don't want to milk Chris dry with his business, with all his donations. Um, so if there's anybody else that wants to step up and help out the English Association, we'd greatly appreciate it. We've got a, a real good partnership with Chris. And like I said, we appreciate everything they've done for us. But uh, at the same time, we don't want to bleed him dry because he's been awful good to us. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's the reason why I said what I said. There's there's some other people that listen to this podcast that ha that has some businesses. This hey, this is free advertisement for you. You donate something or uh give it, you know, at a discounted rate that they could raffle it off. Your your name's gonna get mentioned. Like I said, there's thirteen hundred members on the membership page. So there's thirteen hundred eyes gonna be looking at uh, you know, whatever whatever you donate. So that's that's a uh, a good spot to, to start some advertisement if you're looking for a place to to do some advertising um for sure and, and i know me personally i try to search out those people that are hunters that have businesses and i want to support people who support our way of life yes sir yeah and then you know we sell those chances and we have live drawings. Basically, we we go online and go to the random name picker and spin the wheel and put everybody's names on there. And whoever lands on is the winner. I mean, we try to be as open and honest as we can with everything. And like I said, we're just looking to grow our membership. Yeah, and I like I said, there's 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 plenty of people following that page that that are not members that that we would really. Uh, I know Perry Wood and me as a member. I'm a member of the English Association and the Black and Tan Association, and I, I, I know that you know the English Association would really appreciate your support if you're following that page and you're not a member. I've I done it since Perry was sitting here talking. Clicked clicked on the website, went down, uh, clicked become a member. You go down through there and you can see if, if you're maybe you forgot to pay your membership or whatever. You can go down through there and see if your name's on the list. And if it's not, you can just click a button right there and it's right on the front page where, where you can join real, real simple, real easy to do. And, you know, that's the way the way the world is now. We want it simple and easy. And you know, I don't think you can get no easier than that. Yeah. If you look at that page, um, the membership page, you'll notice that the memberships expire. Um, but it's May 31st of 2023 at the last English days at our meeting, they voted to have the members, the memberships run from English days to English days. So we had to have a cutoff. So we picked May 31st. So back to those races, um, you have to be a member for your points to count. So let's say you you're at the grand American and you get some points and you're a member and then you're at winter classic and you get some points and you're a member but then the English days rolls around and your, your membership expires on May 31st. And for whatever reason, you decide not to renew, but you go to English days and you win, but your points ain't going to count because you didn't renew your membership. So just be mindful that, uh, based on what they voted on last year at the English days meeting that the, your, your membership's going to expire mid-year so in order to keep running that five-star english race you need to renew your english or your english association dues it's this that's a little bit confusing because the race goes all year but your your dues expire middle of the year yeah no that i i, I yeah no that i understand that so yeah just pay attention to that guys if you're out there and you're you're running to 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 gain those points make sure you uh pay your membership up there at the end of may 
first uh, of June. That way you, you can keep to accumulate those points uh, for for that race. Um, and if you look at, look at that website, do you have that where you can pull that up? Yeah. If you look at that website and you go to the champion and the champion section, if you go to the news feeds and then go to where it says champion and champion, there's a place on there that shows who's qualified for that. And uh, there's also, when we run this race, that's my uh, intention is going to have a page where you can click on that and you can see the point standings. So you'll kind of be able to see in real time, you know, where you're finishing at in that race. So you can be like, man, I need to pick up some points. Okay. Yeah. I see where it says who is qualified, uh, champions yeah. of champions. And, uh, yeah. So we yeah. start this five race. We're going to have a section on there just identical to that for the five star race. Okay. Well, uh, Perry, we, we've, we've covered a lot of ground and, and I know it's hard to believe, but we, we've been at this over an hour. Um, yeah. and, and I promised you, I wouldn't keep you no more an hour. <laughs> so, um, uh, did, did we miss anything? Is there anything else that we needed to needed to cover or wanted to cover? Or um, I would like to take another opportunity to go out and tell everybody to be sure and join the United English Breeders and Fanciers Association. I know I sound like a broken record, but uh, you don't even have to have a, um, an English dog. I mean, if you got a black and tan, we'll still take you. So uh, be sure and go over and join the association. We'd be glad to have you. I guess I just, that I guess that's so because I I had a black and tan first. <laughs> so, I mean, we can take we take people with Walker dogs, so we we oh, pick. Oh man, <laughs> and you you went deep right there. Anybody we want to talk about or or anything before before we kind of get to a place to shut this down? Well, um, I'm sure there's probably a ton of people that I missed that I need to um, thank or whatever. But uh, I want to thank you for inviting me on here. I really didn't think I was all that interesting, but I was uh, really eager to share what I know about the United English Breeders and Fanciers Association because that's near and dear to my heart, and I really want to see it grow. Um, I'd really like to thank my old man, Jim Fraze. He, Without him, you know, I never would have been a coon hunter, and my grandpa, his name was Jim Fraze, too. Um, and then, like I said, all my buddies, Jason Reiser, Jason Webster, um, Sean Hausler and Rory Cows and Adam Keller. You know, without those guys, what I'm doing right now with my hounds would never be possible. So, um, I would like to take another opportunity to go out and tell everybody to be sure and join the United English Breeders and Fanciers Association. I know I sound like a broken record, but uh, you don't even have to have a, um, an English dog. I mean, if you got a black and tan, we'll still take you. So, uh, be sure and go over and Join the association. We'd be glad to have you. I guess I just, that I guess that's so because I, I had a black and tan first. <laughs> so, I mean, we can take we can take people with Walker dogs. So we, we oh pick. man, <laughs> man, you you went deep right there. Uh, well, Perry, I, I tell you what, I I, I know it's a, a work night, and uh, I really appreciate you taking time to 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 get on here and and kind of tell us a little bit of history about you and 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 kind of how you got into this and definitely uh, appreciate you sharing the information uh, about the English Breed Association. I think there's kind of maybe would clear up any confusion that may have been out there about about what was fixing to take place uh, coming up this year and kind of kind of get some information out there and you have an open invitation to come back anytime even if it's something short that y'all want to get put out 
my podcast is open to y'all to to get that information put out there to the public and uh i want to remind everybody perry phrase outdoors over on youtube go over click subscribe it don't cost a dime uh united english and fancier breeder association make sure you go over and become a member join it's not that much money uh you can spend that buying junk at a at a convenience store so uh, i, I, I do go ahead um our treasurer and sectional director his name's uh philip king big philip king and uh, he is actually on the transplant list for a liver transplant and he's just waiting to call and uh, he's done everything he had to do all kinds of stuff to get ready for that and he's just waiting on the call for them to tell him it's time to do it so if you all would please keep him in your thoughts and prayers yeah that's that's for sure that's most important get him get him back healthy and and raring to go for sure uh well if you don't have anything else perry i think we're to a place that we can can shut it down and i try to keep my promise keep it close to an hour as possible and i appreciate you being being on here and uh and sharing this information with us today i appreciate you having me yes sir thank you so much Thanks, guys, for listening to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at The Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at The Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.